Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, Every Thought Unto Obedience. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And let me, let me explain this. We were talking with Mrs. Applegate yesterday, and uh, had to explain what condemnation is. And I think there's a lot of us that have taken that as being a religious word, and we haven't understood what condemnation means. But it's the same principle as if you go condemn a building, you say that that building is unfit for use any longer. That's a dictionary definition of condemnation. It means to condemn something, declare it unfit for use. And that's what this is talking about right here. There is no condemnation. In other words, Satan comes at us most of the time. I'd say one of his largest weapons that he has against us is to make us think you aren't fit to have God use you. What makes you think God's going to answer your prayer? What makes you think that you could believe God and receive anything from God? And that's condemnation. And this scripture says that there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen? No condemnation. Hallelujah. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. He rendered sin unfit for use. Amen. <laughs> Instead of us being condemned, it's our sin, amen, that's been condemned. And God's judged it in the flesh of the Lord Jesus. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Most from pretty powerful scriptures. In verse 5 it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And anyway, the thing I was wanting to share from here is, it says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And this is an area that a lot of Christians have never got into, is changing their thought life. And they've taken some principles of the Word of God, they've started trying to release faith, but then in their thought life they are just letting it run rampant. And now there are certain areas, you see, that we've got to where we don't do that in. Like, for instance, a lot of us probably wouldn't sit around and think on uh, adultery. We wouldn't think on murder and stealing and things like that. But then, you see, there's a lot of Christians that would come to church. They wouldn't dare think about any of those things, but they'll sit there and let their mind worry about something the entire time. They're there, right? There's a lot of Christians that wouldn't dare think about cussing or using profanity, or taking a drink, or doing anything like that. I mean, boy, they are dog-determined that they'll never do any of that kind of stuff. And yet they'll sit there the whole time and they'll think negative. They'll worry about something. They'll let Satan accuse them. They let their mind run in a rut and all of these other kind of things. 
And you see, we've not understood that the Scripture right here says that to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And not only is it important that you're not out living in sin and things like this, but to be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded. Now, the word carnal does not necessarily mean sin. Carnal simply means fleshly. It means all of the five senses. If you are dominated by what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, that's being carnally minded. Amen? Let's compare this with the scripture over in the book of Jude. Right before Revelations. Revelation. And in Jude, in verse 19, These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. And again, see, that's another terminology that I used to think when it said something was sensual, I used to think, boy, that's bad. You know, that's really bad. And I always put that word in the category of, you know, some kind of perverted sex is what I always thought that it was talking about. Which, of course, that would be sensual. But did you know one day I was studying this and I looked up the word sensual and do you all know what sensual means? It means of the senses. Sensual means of the senses. Y'all see that? And boy, a lot of people have just flat missed this. But you see, not only is it important that you quit doing some of these things that people have considered uh, sins and worldly and all that kind of stuff, but we need to realize that what you are thinking upon, and if you are sensual, if you are dominated by your five senses, what you can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel, that that is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Well, what's the law of God? We read it over here in Romans chapter 8, where it says, The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So if you're sensual, if you're carnally minded, you cannot be set free by this law of the spirit of life. You see, that sets you free from the law of sin and death. You stop the law of God from flowing in your life, and instead you let the law of sin and death begin to dominate you if you are carnally minded. Now this is something, see, that a lot of Christians have never got into. But over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let's look at this scripture. He says in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now those scriptures right there, a lot of people have just given it over that you can't keep your mind stayed on God at all times. But that is not a true statement. We can keep our mind stayed on God. Matter of fact, there are commands in the Word of God where we're commanded to have our mind stayed upon the Lord. And this scripture says that the weapons that we're using in our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing. That means not some, but every high thing. Every high thing and bringing into captivity every thought under the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is something that I believe God's wanting us to get hold of. There's been, Bernice mentioned it and uh, Linda mentioned it tonight. There's been a couple of people that have testified along these lines. But God's trying to get His people to where we'll start disciplining ourselves in our thought life. That we can bring every thought into captivity and under the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, boy, that sounds like an impossible statement. And that sounds like a lot of people just say, I just don't believe it. But it can be done. I heard Kenneth Copeland give the example about um, 
uh, a person saying that, you know, they say that they just can't keep their mind stayed on the Lord all the time. They've got to go to work and they've got to be able to do their work and they've got to be able to mingle, you know, and go through the day. They just can't keep their mind stayed on the Lord. And you've heard people come out with this statement about, you know, he's so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. Well, I don't agree with that kind of stuff. Amen. I don't believe that you can get your mind stayed on the Lord too much. Now, you can get religious with it and you can get to where you know count. Amen. But if you're doing it as unto the Lord, you can't get your mind stayed on the Lord too much. And so Kenneth Copeland brought out this, that you say that you can't keep your mind stayed on the Lord, but those same people, if they've got a situation that's pressing them and some kind of problem on it, you can worry about it all day long, right? You can sit there and you can do your job and you can talk to people and you can never have a waking thought that even though you're doing other things, you're, you'll never have a waking thought that is not stayed upon that problem in some form or fashion operating in worry. Well, worry, all it is, is faith in the devil. And so if you can have faith in the devil all day long, you can turn around and have faith in God and you can have your mind stayed on God and do whatever you have to do and you can do it better. Amen? So it can be done. This scripture right here says that this is what our spiritual weapons are supposed to be producing within us is a life where we can live with every thought stayed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise God, that is not only attainable, that is the normal Christian life. And that is the way that you begin to break down Satan's dominion over you. You see, Satan does not have any power to run over you. We've already talked about that. He can't just run over you. He's not the hot shot that he's claimed to be a lot of times. But instead, he has to come, and what he does, he implants thoughts in us. And this is Satan's beachhead in our life right here. Satan comes, and through thoughts of doubt and unbelief, most of it is religious bondage that he's put forth. That's where most of his uh, stuff comes. But through these thoughts, you see, that's how he gains access to you. And if you take the thought, and if you begin to think on it, and dwell upon it, and mull over and over, then you violated Romans chapter 8, verse 6. You become carnally minded. The law of sin and death begins to operate. Satan begins to rule you through the thoughts that you've received in and that you've obtained and that you've begun to think on. Jesus said that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And what you begin to think on begins to be reproduced back in your life. Yes, sir. Along that line, I don't know uh, whether or not you might have seen PPL Well, see, like we were talking right here out of this scripture, it says that you can have carnal mind. Well, Satan's the ultimate in carnality. Amen? Well, it's both. I'm talking about, now, what you speak is important. We've ministered about what you speak, and it's important what you speak. But you see, it's also important what you think. 
Because you see, what you think is eventually going to affect what you speak, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, see, what I'm trying to do, I'm saying that it's important in your actions. I'm not minimizing any of that. But I'm saying that your actions are sooner or later going to come out of what you've been meditating on, what you've been focusing your attention on, which is what you're thinking. Now, you can't turn your brain off, like some people may think. You can't do it. You're going to be thinking 24 hours a day. You're thinking all the time. Now, we're talking specifically about when you're awake and stuff, but your mind is thinking and it's functional. And it's either going to be filled with carnality or it's going to be filled with life, one of the two. And I guarantee you, Satan has more avenues to come at us today than what God does. Satan has all kinds of people that are speaking his death. Most religious people are. Amen. You can't even watch a uh, Christian television program or a radio program or anything without still hearing a lot of carnality and stuff that you have to weed through. So I'm saying that Satan is coming at us through every avenue possible. And if you don't understand the importance about dominating your thoughts, and if you don't get into the Word and find out the truths about this, it's not going to happen just by accident. Your mind does not get stayed upon the Lord by accident. As we were reading over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, see, it says that we've got spiritual weapons that you have to use to cast down strongholds and high imaginations and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's a warfare. And most Christians have never got into the warfare dealing with our minds. Man, we've just given that over. And we think that these thoughts and things like that are just normal, just human, and that you have to put up with them, but bless the Lord, you don't. This scripture right here says every thought can come into captivity and under the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I dare to say for anybody in this room right here that even though we've attained unto this maybe in a part, that none of us are walking in anything like what we should. But our mind can be dominated 100% of the time with nothing in them contrary to the Word of God. Amen? But it doesn't happen by mistake. They come through using your spiritual weapons through making a definite attempt at doing it. Amen? Now, we've heard Romans chapter 8, verse 6 ministered negative most of our life, if you're like me. They minister it that to be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded is death. And they tell you that if you're operating carnally, it's going to produce death. Well, that's true. But did you know also the other side of this coin is true? And that is that if you're spiritually minded, it's life and peace. Just as sure as if you're operating carnally, it's going to produce death. Just as sure on the other side, if you're operating spiritually minded, it's going to produce life and peace. Now, if you'll apply this to some instances, say, for instance, if you were fighting Satan over sickness, if the only thoughts that you had were thoughts that were spiritual, which, how do you know what's spiritual? The Word of God. John chapter 6, verse 63 says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If you want to know what's happening in the spiritual realm, you get in the Word of God because what the Word of God says is what's spirit and it is what's life. And if your mind is stayed on the Word of God and you're thinking what God's Word has to say, then you are operating spiritually minded. And, in the, and if you were fighting a sickness and if you had no thought except thought of healing, that by his stripes we were healed, that I wish above all things that thou prosper and be in health. If that is the only thing that dominated your mind, Romans chapter 8 verse 6 gives you the promise in God's word is unchangeable, it cannot be violated, that if you are spiritually minded it will produce life and peace. It would be impossible for you to remain sick thinking life and peace. It would be impossible for a person to sit there and die thinking life and peace. 
Now somebody come up with all these examples about I know so-and-so that tried to believe God and they died anyway. Well, they tried to believe God's what it amounted to. And they may have had a good desire and they may have started that. They may have done a lot of things right. But I guarantee if their mind had have been 100% brought under captivity and into the obedience of the Lord Jesus, if they had have thought, spoke, acted faith, it would have been impossible for anything but life and peace to be produced. Amen? And you see, here's a big problem. A lot of people would speak some of the right things. They may get it down pat and they may start making their confessions every day but then they sit there and let their mind be filled with junk. They think contrary to it. They have never bridled their mind. They've never disciplined it. They've never got it to where they refuse to th think any thought except what God's Word says. And even though they've done some of the other things, you see, this Scripture says to be carnally minded is death. And so right there, they're missing out. It's warring against it. And I think it's important that this be brought out because there's a lot of people, see, that have latched on to certain things in the Christian life and yet their mind is still not stayed upon the Lord. Scripture says in Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 that the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. Amen? Perfect peace will be there if our mind is stayed upon the Lord. You can also take that Scripture and use it as a ruler to see where you stand with the Lord. Are you thinking right? Are you operating right? You can tell if you look at Isaiah 26 3. Because if you are operating and your mind is stayed upon the Lord, you will be kept in perfect peace. Not an imperfect peace, not just something close to it. You will be in a perfect peace. You'll know it, amen, if your mind stayed on the Lord. You know, one of the reasons, like this meeting in Colorado Springs, was such a blessing to people like those of you that testified about going, is because we have not lived that discipline of a life. We've not reached a point where we on our own discipline ourselves and keep our mind stayed upon God. But when you get in a situation like that, everything that was done, every word that was said was about the Lord. We all had a sense that we were working for the Lord, that we were doing things so that people could receive the word. There was not anything said that wasn't according to the word of God. Everything about it, you see, was just saturated. People's minds were stayed upon the Lord. And those of you that went can testify that there was a unity and a love among the body, you know, from here that went up there. There was something super. And all it was was the fact that our attention was stayed upon the Lord, that we weren't diverted, that we haven't come in contact with any other thing. Also part of it was the fact that we were isolated, <laughs> which now that's a shame. Did you know it? We ought to be able to stand in the midst of hell, like the Scripture says, and if I make my bed in hell, there God's with us. But a lot of times we have to get away from things that normally feed us with carnal thoughts and that keep our minds stayed on doubt and unbelief and trash and things like this. Sometimes we have to isolate ourselves and get in a situation where we're just cut off from those things before we begin to see it function and work in our life. That's the reason that when you go on like a Christian retreat, if you go to a godly Christian retreat, you'll see people touched that otherwise would never be touched. And then you'll see some of those same people that have been touched go right back into the world when they get back. And the reason for it is, is because during that brief period of time, you just starved the devil out of them. That's what you did. Satan's just like anything else. He has to feed. You can't live on what you received from God ten years ago. It's got to be real to you. It's just like manna. That had to be gathered every morning. If you went out and tried to gather a week's supply of manna, it just didn't work that way. It bred worms and rotted on you. It had to be fresh. And even though you can still live and operate in what you learned ten years ago, it's got to be real to you today. 
you've got to meditate. You've got to make it real to you today. The same truth, maybe, but it's got to be made real to you. It's the same thing in Satan's system. Satan cannot just come in and run over a person, and Satan cannot continue to dominate a person unless he is fed. It's just like a parasite or like a leech or like something like that. It's got to be sapping nourishment from that person some way or another, or Satan cannot continue to dominate you. Amen? So you take people and you put them in an isolation, like in a church camp or something, and what happens? They're away from the radio that sings about murder and adultery and strife and hatred, and I'm going to get even with you and all this kind of stuff. And people think, oh, that's foolish. Well, I guarantee you it's death. Just like Henry was saying, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And man, we listen to death over the commercials, if nothing else. People watch the television and they get programmed with junk. Amen? Those of you from Colorado Springs may think that's all I ever preach on, but I really don't, do I? Amen? (laughs) But I can't help but pass over this again and say that, man, television will corrupt you. It'll destroy you. It will kill you in a hurry. And if somebody doesn't like that, I'm sorry, but you are not going to operate in the blessings of God watching that junk that's on TV. It does not function that way. Amen? That's true. Because it feeds unbelief into you. Amen or oh me? Now, I don't say that to condemn you. Like some people say that, man, if you're watching television, God's mad at you, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, God can't bless you. God loves you just the same. You can watch television if you want to be carnally minded and have it produce death in you. Amen? That's true. I'm not against television. I'm just against... We're preaching against being carnally minded, and television is carnal. Amen? It does not minister spiritual values to you, and I don't care what it is that you're watching. There are very, very few things that come over television that are going to minister anything godly to you. They're going to make you carnally minded. Very carnally minded. Now, I'll confess that I watch the news on occasion simply because I think there's something... I really, what I do, I let the Lord tell me or impress me if there's something on there worth watching. And every now and then, I'll go watch the news if I think, you know, I need to keep abreast of something. But I sure have to wade through a lot of junk to do it. I pray over it. And I only do it every now and then just so I can keep up on certain things. But I wouldn't make a regular habit of watching the news because it's ungodly. It is not telling you the good news... The news is telling you what Satan's doing. Who needs to know what the devil's doing? Amen. Now, if they got something on there about Israel, I can see what God's doing through that. Amen. I always get a blessing out of that because that lines up with Scripture. You see what I'm saying through that, though? It's carnally minded, and it'll produce death within you. And so Satan has to feed off of things. And you see, it's all of this negative trash. It's our thought life. And this is one of his biggest beachheads. I won't say it's the only thing that he uses against us, but it's one of the largest things that he uses against us is our thought life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And Satan just fills us full of the pollution and the corruption of the world. And most Christians just let it go over and over and over in them and they don't understand what's happening. But you see, you take somebody out of that situation, you put them in a church camp or something where they can't hear the radio, they can't hear the TV, all they're doing is hearing the Word 24 hours a day. They're with people that aren't talking strife and negativism. They're speaking the Word. And you'll see people, I mean, who out in the world are are dead, non-responsive to God. You'll see them begin to respond in a situation like that every time. Now, those same people may go back right back into the world when they get out. But the reason for it is is because nobody got it across to them, you see, about how Satan was destroying them. They go back and try and put the new wine in an old wineskin and it breaks. 
They try and take what God's done and what they've asked Him to do in their life and they go back and start filling themselves with the pollution of the world again and it just doesn't work that way. Amen? But can you all see that? That answered a problem for me because I used to wonder, Lord, how come I get so blessed under certain circumstances? It's simply because I'm not disciplined enough to control my mind and to keep it stayed on the Lord and I have to go to church or I have to go to a retreat or I have to go to something to let somebody else dominate my mind for me. That's the purpose of coming together in a body like this because see what we've been doing tonight. We've been speaking God's Word. Your thoughts, if you've been here, and man, if you know what I'm talking about, you can be here and not be here. But if you've been here and if you're here and if you've been listening and paying attention, your thoughts have been stayed upon the Lord. Faith has been spoken. Life has been spoken. It's producing life within you. It's producing a spiritual mind and that produces life and peace. And it'll change you. It'll set you free. Amen? It's really important that you see and understand that. And so anyway, this is Satan's stronghold. One of his strongholds against us is our thinking. And praise God, we've got to get to where we dominate our thinking with God's Word. And through these scriptures, it can be done. Also, let me say this. It's important that you need to know that just because a thought comes to you, that does not mean that it's sin. Now, there's a lady that we ministered to in Brewster, Kansas, when we held that meeting up there. Jamie ministered to her more than I did. But that lady, you see, was brought up under Pentecostal doctrine. And she was taught that you save, lost, save, lost, save, lost, save, lost every time you do something wrong. And as a result, she came under a lot of condemnation, and they preached a lot of legalism at her. And she started having these thoughts come to her, thoughts of things that she knew weren't godly. And instead of responding to them the right way, she responded to it like, how could I have that thought? There must be something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not really saved. And she, she reacted that way. It kept getting worse and worse. And anyway, over a period of time, that lady moans and wails and travails every time she comes into a church, every time she gets around to anybody, begging and pleading for God to save her. She doesn't know if she's saved or not. And the reason for it is because her thoughts have become so vile that she can't believe that a person who knew God could have thoughts like that. Now, I'm not for sure about her situation, but I'm saying this could be the way it was. She can be born of God, but because she didn't realize this, that just because she had a thought come to her that was contrary to the Word, if she took it as coming out of herself and got condemned over it, she could open up to so much demonic oppression that Satan could run over her in her thought life, you see, and her still be a born-again child of God. That can happen. But what you need to realize is that Satan has access to place thoughts in your mind if you aren't using your spiritual weapons. Now, he doesn't have power to run over you, but if you don't know what you're doing, it'll happen. If you aren't watching what you're doing, Satan can just run over you with your thought life. You can begin to run wild with your mind. And this happens like, I know that there are people that have come out and said things against me. And some people think I'm dumb, that the Holy Ghost is stupid, and that you can't see what some people are thinking. But I guarantee you, it's pretty evident lots of times to tell that a person doesn't like what you're saying. I mean, you don't have to be any scholar to discern that. So I can see lots of times that people are rejecting what I'm saying. And when I'm operating carnally, what happens is I'll sit down and I'll get to thinking, boy, I know they didn't receive that. 
and then I'll get to thinking on it, and pretty soon, boy, I bet they're talking to somebody about it right now. I'll get to imagining what they're saying and what's going on, and by the time I get through mulling it over, I'm ready to punch them right in the nose, amen. I mean, we're down to the point of having a fist fight over it, when in actuality, there may not have been one thing said, but you see, in my mind, it's gone over and over and over and over until it reaches a breaking point. That's what Bernice was saying tonight in that testimony. And I'm sure it's happened to all of us when there's strife come in between you and somebody, Satan gets on your thoughts and you get to imagining what's happening. You get to imagining what's this person thinking about me, what's going on, and all of these kind of things. <coughs> Did you know that one of the qualifications of an elder is that they be sober, grave, temperate? And I started studying that when I became an elder of a body because I figured I needed to be it, amen. And I got to studying, and did you know that that means void of speculative imagination? And so I got to meditating on what a speculative imagination is, and boy, the Lord showed me that that's you sitting there saying, I know so-and-so didn't receive this. And maybe they haven't said it, but see, I can speculate. I can read between the lines and tell you what's really going on. On benefit, amen, so that I can rightly judge and discern something. And you've got to be able to be able to discern when it's a gift of the Spirit operating and when it's your old carnal mind operating. But can you see that? That right there is where Satan does so much of stuff. This is one reason that when we've been ministering about the unity of the body and about how we've got to come together, how we've got to love each other and be able to stand against strife and unbelief, this is one reason why you've got to speak the truth in love, why you can't keep things in. If you got something against somebody, go tell them, amen, and make that a trademark of yourself. Now, if it doesn't need to be told, bury it. Ask forgiveness and get rid of the thing. But I mean, if it needs to be gotten out in the open, and if something needs to be get straightened out, go to that person and share it. Because did you know that if the body would operate that way, and if we would be honest and let our love be without dissimulation, so that, praise God, if I got something against Orbell, I'm going to go tell Orbell, and I'm not going to tell anybody else. She'd be the first one to hear about it. If we would begin to operate that way, then when Satan comes against you and says, Boy, Henry, he sure acted cold towards you tonight. He must not be he must be upset with you over something. And then you begin to sit down and mull it over and see Satan begins to amplify it and blow it out of proportion and by the time it's all over you're mad at Henry and he hadn't done nothing, amen. Maybe he was fighting over fighting the devil over a headache and you took it personal. But you see, if the body gets to where they speak the truth in love, when those thoughts come to you, you can say, Satan, I renounce that. We're operating in the love of God, and if they've got something against me, they're going to come tell me, and I refuse to speculate at what they're thinking. That's one reason, see, the body's got to get to where we operate that way, because it'll control your thought life. You won't sit there and let Satan begin to accuse your brother. Also, you can say something, and you can say it wrong. Did you know it? None of us are perfected yet. And you can say things and they come out wrong. And if something doesn't set right with you, if there's a gift of the Spirit, if God shows you, you know, start praying about it. If God was to minister something to you, do it. But most of the time, what we feel is just old carnal feelings and we get to speculating this and speculating that. And man, we blow it out of proportion and we build walls in between each other in our thought lives. And praise God, those things ought to be torn down. We had an instance... Down, down there at Pritchett where something happened that was carnal. It was wrong. A person did something wrong. And they came out of a situation that had been real bad. They'd been in a lot of deception. This person that did the thing wrong 
they repented immediately. They came up to me and they said, was I wrong? And I said, well, you're carnal. <laughs> and I told them that it wasn't godly. They repented on the spot. They went around to two people that they had rebuked openly in the service and said, I'm sorry, repented, forgive me. And they got it straight. But the other people there, they got to remembering what had happened in this other group. They got to remembering some mistakes that had been made from years ago. And they got to imagining what it was going to get like and within three days' time, those people came around to me saying, if we don't do something, if we don't cast the demons out of that guy, then it's going to completely destroy this group. And man, I just jumped all over them and told them that was carnal. They were speculating. They had let Satan think on it. They had blown it out of proportion to the, thought, to the point that they thought all kinds of things was going to happen. And I guarantee you this person, it was a carnal mistake. It was not demonic. And I told them, I said, you can't cast carnality out of a person. You can't lay hands on somebody and cast carnality out. You can cast the devil out, but you can't cast carnality out. And that upset them. And as a result, it did cause the two people that had just let Satan run wild in their imagination, they got up and left the body over that, over something that the person completely repented of. I've never told them that. Amen. They still don't know that there was two people that left. And see, they, don't, they had no, nothing wrong in their heart at all. That person is still going on with God, amen, and growing and they're prospering, but the people who let Satan just blow that thing out of proportion in their thought life, they did not dominate their thoughts. They began to sit there and focus in on the negative and just let Satan control it. As a result, man, it stole the Word of God from them, and it hurt them. Can you all see that? And that's exactly where a lot of the warfare is coming against us is the fact that we do not have a disciplined life. We do not watch what we think. We don't realize the importance. But again, Jesus said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And praise God, we've got to realize that this is an important part of the gospel and that we've got to begin to dominate our mind. Now, we've also ministered about meditating on the Word of God. This is the reason meditating on the Word of God is so strong because when you're meditating the Word of God, you're just going over and over and over the Word. You're filling yourself with the Word. And God made man in a good way. That is, that he made you that you could only do certain things at a certain time. You can't do five things all at one time. Some people think they can, but you can't do it effectively. That's what the Scripture says. My brethren, be not many masters, for in many things we offend all. In other words, God didn't make you to be able to master everything. You can effectively do one thing at one time. Now, it's important to learn how to resist the devil and to cast your thoughts down. If, if Satan throws an ungodly thought at you, it's important you be able to sit there and say, Satan, I renounce you, and I command every thought to be able to come under the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important to learn that. But even a step better than that is to learn how to fill yourself so much with the Word of God that you don't have time for any of those other things. Like I said, you've only got a certain capacity. And if you feel yourself 100% of the time meditating, thinking God's Word, then you have no capacity for Satan to come at you with all of these thoughts of doubt and unbelief. Amen? Can you see that? That's the truth. Again, take an example. See, like when we were up there at Colorado Springs this weekend, we were all sitting there sharing. Everybody was contributing. I mean, there was a unity. There was a love that was powerful. And as a result, I could say for myself, I could say probably for most people that went, that there weren't even thoughts of discouragement. There weren't thoughts of depression. There weren't thoughts of some of the things that hit us normally simply because we were so full 
of meditating the Word of God. We had been seeing God move. We had seen God touch people's lives. Miracles happen, things like this. Our mind was stayed upon that. And as a result, you see, Satan just didn't have any room to be fuzzing all those doubts in upon us. One reason so many thoughts of doubt and unbelief and fear come at us is because we are not full of the Word of God. You get full of the Word of God, you don't have room to receive all of Satan's junk that's passed off on us. Amen? Praise God. So that's a superior system to even being able to rebuke the devil and all of these kind of things. The superior way is to get so dominated by God's Word that you're thinking it and meditating it all of the time that Satan won't have the right or the privilege to come at you and put all those thoughts on you. And I can truthfully say in my own life some things that used to be a temptation to me are no longer a temptation to me because I've gotten God's Word. I've started staying my mind on it. I've filled myself so much with what God's Word has to say about certain things that things that used to be a temptation to me are no longer a temptation at all. I remember one of the thoughts that Satan used to put in my mind when I first started ministering was what happens if you lay your hands on a person and they don't get healed. And that used to bother me. It really did. And I heard this guy who was traveling with R.W. Shambach, his name was Imler, and he was ministering one day and he had those same thoughts. And this really impressed me because this is back when I first started hearing the gospel. And uh, it amazed me that somebody else had some of the same thoughts that I did. And so he said that the devil's always coming to him saying, what happens if you lay your hands on somebody and they don't get healed? And what his answer was, he said he'd just turn around to the devil and say, Satan, what are you going to do when I lay my hands on somebody and they do get healed? Amen. So he turned around and made it positive. Well, there's an answer to that. But I mean, that, at that time, that was a good enough answer for me. And every time the devil would come at me and say, what happens if you lay your hands on somebody and they don't get healed? I'd turn around and say, what are you going to do when I lay my hands on somebody and they do get healed? And I'd begin to dominate myself and see myself succeeding in God's Word. And did you know that that has long since, I can't remember the last time that I sat there and thought, what's going to happen if somebody doesn't get healed? I don't even think in that realm anymore. Because the Scripture says that you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And did you know that that used to be a hindrance to my faith? And because those thoughts were there, it was a hindrance. My faith wasn't functional near like what it should. My faith is still increasing. There's other things, see, I'm having to get out on me now, but I'm saying that that one's gone. And that area, my faith is functional in that area because I've countered it with the Word of God. I've filled myself with it and praise God. That doesn't bother me anymore. And you do not have to have Satan dominate your mind. You do not have to have continual thoughts of doubt and unbelief. You can fill yourself so full of God's Word that Satan's lies and unbelief are gone out of you. Amen. You do not have to sit there and focus in upon the negative. Now again, see, a lot of Christians sit there and they're thinking about God maybe, but they're thinking about God in a negative way. For instance, there's a lot of people that go to God and they're taking their problem to God but then in their prayer life and in their thought life, after they've prayed about it, all of their attention is upon the problem, not upon the answer. And man, there's so many people that go to God and say, Oh God, I've got this problem, and Lord, what's wrong with me? I've got this, and I just can't seem to ever be able to receive my healing. I just can't seem to ever get some things straight. I seem to continually be confused, and they just start naming all of the things that's wrong with them. And they think, Well, what's wrong? I'm seeking God. But you see, what's their mind been stayed upon? Mind's been stayed upon themselves. It's been stayed upon their problem. And as a result, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Scripture says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, that the light of the body is the eye. If your eye be single, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eye be evil, your whole body is full of darkness. 
What you focus your attention upon, what Matthew 6.22 is saying, is what you're going to be full of. And so a person, you may think that you're seeking God, but if you're thinking about your problem the whole time, then your problem is going to dominate you. You're going to be carnally minded. You're going to be thinking according to what you can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel instead of being spiritually minded. It's going to produce death within you, and you can have death operating in you with you seeking God with everything you've got. Everybody understand that? Now, that's important because a lot of people say, oh, but I've been seeking God. But how have you been seeking God? Carnally? Have you been thinking about yourself and all of the things that you are? Or have you ever got over into the realm where you're able, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, to say that I cast all of my care upon the Lord because He cares for me? Get rid of your problem. Cast your burden upon the Lord. Get it over there and say, Lord, I don't care. And then begin to start meditating on God and Him and His answer that He promised you from the Word of God. And man, if you'll fill yourself with that, if you'll be spiritually minded, which is being minded according to the Word of God, it'll produce life and peace within you. Amen? Now, praise God, that can be done. And it's important that it be done. And let me also say that there is no way that you can be spiritually minded without the Word of God. No way. None at all. Because you might sit there and you might say, Satan, I don't want to think thoughts of unbelief. And you might rebuke it, but Satan's going to come right back. Satan's going to plug, plague you just as long as your mind is empty. Just as long as it's not full of something. And unless you get God's Word and fill yourself with it and dominate your mind with it and dwell on it, night and day, Satan is going to be fighting you and coming against you. And he's going to overcome you. And so there's no shortcut. You can't operate void of a carnal mind unless you're in God's Word. If we aren't studying God's Word, if we aren't meditating, if we aren't giving first place to God's Word, you will be carnally minded. Like I said, your mind does never shut off. It's impossible. I dare any of you right this moment to sit there and think of nothing. You can't do it. Tell yourself, I'm going to think of nothing for the next ten seconds. You can't do it. I don't know if any of you have ever tried that. I used to try that. Because you see, before I found out that you could fill yourself with God's Word, I thought, well, I'm just going to quit thinking any thoughts of unbelief. You can't do it. Your mind is functional 100% of the time. It's open. It's receiving input. Now, if you aren't operating in the Holy Ghost, the natural way for your mind to turn is through your five senses, what you can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. Man, it's just like a sponge soaking up anything that comes your way. You're picking up inputs continually 100% of the time unless you've learned to discipline yourself and quit going by what you see, taste, hear, smell, or feel, and you started feeding yourself from your spiritual man. And you can do that. You can become spiritually minded. Amen? It can be done, but I'm saying that the normal way that your mind will function will be to turn to your carnal senses, take what they see, taste, hear, smell, or feel, believe it, put that up, and the carnal realm is going to go against God every time. As it says in Romans 8, 7, that, uh, that the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means it's at war. It's the en enemy of God. They're contrary one to another. What's happening in the carnal realm does not harmonize with what God's doing unless you've made it harmonize with your faith. I mean, just naturally speaking, they are diametrically opposed. Y'all see that? So we've got to know what God's Word says. We've got to meditate in God's Word day and night. You've got to realize that your thought life has to come under obedience. Next time you feel like, well, man, look what my husband or my wife did, and you sit there and start thinking about it, you just remember this, 
that you're reaping, you're sowing death, and that you're going to reap what you sow. Next time you get to thinking, well, why don't they go take out the trash instead of asking me to do it? You know, that may be a small thing, but you're sowing death. You're thinking carnally minded, and it'll kill you. Did you know it? Next time you get to thinking about, well, I've been done wrong, and you get to stewing on it and thinking about, well, my rights have been violated, and you begin to get upset, you are not thinking spiritually minded. You are thinking carnally minded, and it's going to produce death within you. And you all see that? And sometimes we wonder, well, Lord, what's wrong? I've tried. And yet we've sat there and, and thought the problem over a million times, looked at it carnally, let our mind be stayed upon it, think about it day and night, day and night, day and night, and then we wonder why we aren't seeing success. Well, you've spoken the word, you've done everything you know how to do, except you've been operating carnally minded, and the Scripture is going to promise you that it will produce death within you. It's an unchangeable law of God. And brothers and sisters, we've got to reach a point where you dominate yourself with God's word. And there's no shortcut to that except to get in it, and I mean it's going to take a warfare. But the weapons of our warfare are well able to do it, amen? Bring every thought into captivity and under the obedience of the Lord Jesus. And again, you're going to have to discipline yourself. You're going to have to turn off some of the inputs that Satan has to you. Whether it's your religion, whether it's your television, your radio, your friends at work, or whatever. Amen? And like Linda said, you can stop a lot of that stuff coming at you. Not by sitting there and just telling a person, I don't want to hear what you've got to say. Now, there may be times that you need to do that, too. But when somebody goes to speaking death around you, you just go to speaking life to them. When they go to telling you, that, man, you've got to borrow. There's no way you're going to get a new home without borrowing. You tell them, say, I'm above only and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I'll lend unto many nations, but I shall not borrow. You go to speaking life, and I guarantee you, Satan will quit coming through that person. That person will see to it. They won't come back around you, amen. So there's lots of ways to stop that negative input. If you're working with somebody that's speaking death, you go to speaking life. I've been around people that cuss and blaspheme the name of the Lord. And I mean, I've been around it a lot, around people that have done that. And some people think, well, you just can't get rid of that, you know, if you're out in the world. Yes, you can, amen. You go to live in a positive Christian life, and I guarantee you, it'll stop. It reached a place in the army that those people, and I mean, the army is a pretty bad situation. If any of you have never been in the army, you don't know. But the army is a pretty bad situation. But in the army, without me trying to condemn anybody, but me just saying what I believe and stuff, it reached a point where the people in my platoon and those that knew me that had been around me, they would go out of their way not to cuss around me. And I mean, some of them would do it anyway simply because they couldn't breathe without cussing. But I mean, there was a noticeable difference. I was above only and not beneath. I even had this one guy, I walked out and he was just cussing a blue streak. And he saw me and he says, oh, I'm sorry, preacher. And I told him, I said, well, don't feel bad about it. I said, if you'll cuss in front of the Lord God Almighty, you shouldn't feel bad to use you know, his name in vain around me. And boy, his eyes got big, and he never said nothing like that around me again. Amen. And I guarantee you, you can do it. You can, you can operate in a manner that that kind of stuff will stop around you. It really will. And there is, I can't think of any situation I've ever been in where that has not changed. I was playing basketball with some kids one day, and they was cussing every other breath. And I let it go a couple of times, and finally it was being in the war on me. And so I sat there, and they let out with the cuss word, and I went, Praise the Lord! And started shouting and praising God. 
And boy, they stopped and looked at me, and I said, I demand equal time. If you're going to praise your God, I'm going to praise mine. Amen. And we went on, and they cussed a few more times, and every time they'd cuss, I'd go praise the Lord. And finally, I told them, I said, look, the Scripture says, every idle word that man speaks, they'll give an account thereof in the day of judgment, for by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. I said, it'd go a lot easier on you fellas if you wouldn't cuss. And did you know before that game was over, those guys, every time something happened, they was going, praise the Lord. <laughs> and of course, they was doing it kind of in mockery, but at least it wasn't affecting me, amen. I guarantee you, I got it cleaned up so that I wasn't hearing all of their old perversion and stuff like that. And if you take a stand, it'll work. And there's no exceptions there. I don't care where you are, who you're around, it'll work. And sometimes you may have to be a little bold with it, but it works. Amen? I remember in the reception station in the Army, the second day in the Army, and I mean, if you, that's a humiliating experience. Because you just gone in, they shaved all the hair off of you, they stripped you naked and took your underwear away, gave you their underwear to wear. I mean, it's just a humiliating experience if you've never been through that. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, people were up and they were still standing around cussing and everything and the lights were out. And man, I didn't like it and I was laying over there praying, Lord, something's got to be done. And this one guy got to talking to me and he says, you know, that's not any way for me to talk. What if the Lord was to hear me? <coughs> And then he got off on the... I forgot how he got off on it. But anyway, he said something that just opened up the door and all the lights were out and nobody knew anybody. They didn't recognize my voice or nothing. I figured, man, I didn't have a thing to lose. And so I spoke up and I said, it says out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, that if you say that you know me and keep not my commandments, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. And boy, he got mad and says, who said that? Who said that? And he began to get upset. And I said, one other thing. Galatians 4.16 says, Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And boy, it got stone quiet. Did you know nobody else said another word? Everybody went to sleep and that cussing stopped. Amen? Amen, it worked. But I, it worked. Also in Vietnam, I had this warrant officer that stayed in my bunker. I was a chaplain's assistant. But the chaplain left and so I was there by myself. I was a PFC, and they had a warrant officer and a captain and a sergeant that was living in this bunker that I built for myself. They moved in and just took it away from me. Well, I didn't say nothing, but then they got to drinking, and then they got to cussing, and profanity was so loud. I'd be in there playing my Bible tapes and reading the Bible, and the profanity was flying so hot and heavy that I couldn't read. And so I took that for about a week, and here these people were officers. And here I was, a PFC. That's next to nothing if you know anything about that. So since it's my bunker, I got me a big old piece of poster board like this and a marks a lot. And I wrote Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 down that says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And I put that so that when they opened up the door, bam, there it was. And did you know from that day on there was never one more cuss word ever said in that bunker. Nobody even acknowledged having seen that thing. Nobody said a word to me. Well, matter of fact, nothing was said to me after that. <laughs> Good, bad, or indifferent. But did you know it worked? Amen. I forgot why we got off on all that. Except to say that it'll work, that you can dominate your thought life and you don't have to listen to all of the avenues that Satan's coming at you. You can turn those electronic things off. Amen. They got off knobs on them. And if you'll get strong with your witness... You can stop other people. You can begin to be above only and not beneath, and it'll work. It really will work. And we've got to reach that point to where, praise God, our thoughts are stayed upon the Lord. He'll keep us in perfect peace. 
whose mind is stayed upon thee. Amen? And you could go through it. There's a million scriptures. I don't think that would be an exaggeration to say that it would go right along with that. Rome, uh, Philippians chapter 4, where it says, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think upon these things. And so many, many other scriptures. It's a command from God. And praise God, we've got to do that. And I don't care if you feel like sitting down and pitying yourself and just thinking about how miserable your situation is. Don't do it. You can dominate yourself and your spiritual weapons are strong enough to bring every thought into captivity and under the obedience. We just came through some pretty rough times at Pritchett with people coming out against us, things being said by people that I loved and I mean people uh, that I'd talked to turn around saying that I'd cussed them out which was just a lie and things like that that I'd used profanity on them. They blasphemed us. They lied about us. They did everything just about that they could do. And did you know there's times that I felt like sitting down and thinking about that, about, Lord, look what they've been doing. And the Lord just every time would say that that's not a good report. What's going to be accomplished by it? And did you know that I must have done that a hundred times if I did it once, just to cast it down and say, I refuse to think about it. I'm doing what you told me to and just let the chips fall where they may that's maybe not a good expression but that's what I did and didn't worry about what anybody was saying and did you know that we came through that better than ever amen it's just super I was talking to somebody not long ago and there are people down there still eat up in strife and I just got to shout and praising God about praise God it hadn't affected me and the reason for it is because the Lord showed us we dominated our thinking. We refused to sit there and think about the strife, think about what people were saying, think about what was being done. Instead, we dominated ourselves with the Word of God, and it's working. Amen? And that can be done. If your body's hurting, you don't have to think on the pain. You can think on the Word of God. It can work. I gave you that example, I think, about Kenneth Copeland, where he had the flu hit him in Omaha, Nebraska. He was fixing to hold a meeting there. And the flu started hitting him, and his body started hurting so much, he said he wanted to go home and lay down and let his wife rub his fevered brow, you know, and get all of this attention and everything. And he did not want to get up and go minister three times the next two days. But he knew that he had to. He knew that he had to start fighting. So his body was hurting to such a degree that he couldn't get his faith functional. He was feeling more and what he was believing, his feelings were dominating. So he started walking up and down in that hotel room saying, by his stripes we were healed. Because as you speak, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You speak God's word at your mouth, you hear it, and faith comes. Then you take that faith and speak it and hear it, and it, faith comes, and it keeps multiplying and growing. And he said he got to speaking that and speaking it and speaking it, and finally he spoke it, I think, 521 times or something like that. I don't remember the exact number, but he said that he spoke it until he was screaming at the top of his lungs, focusing his attention with everything he had on what God had to say rather than upon what he felt. And it took 521 times screaming with the people in the other rooms hearing him, I'm sure, and everything else. But finally, he got everything he had focused on it. He dominated himself with it. And he said on the 500 and something time, instantly he was healed. And I had a friend that was at that meeting. That is the first time that they began to see people fall under the power of the Holy Spirit. This friend was sitting on the fourth row from the front and he said, man, miracles began to happen. People got to passing out. They'd touch the edge of the stage and pass out. 
And he said that there was this lady, fat lady that weighed nearly 200 pounds, came running up to the stage, and she got touched and hit by the Lord and fell over four rows of uh, seats and landed in his lap. <laughs> he said that she was just transported through the air, boom, like that. He said the miracle power of God began to work. They saw nearly every type of miracle happen that could happen. And it came because that man dominated himself and he fought and stood and praised God. When he stood, it produced life and peace, not only in himself but in other people. And I guarantee you, it's exactly that much of a fight. And it'll be a harder fight on you right now than it'll be later on because right now we're so undisciplined. Your flesh, your carnality is going to rebel at it with everything you've got. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net, and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.